Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain co-editor Dave Schofield coming at you again on Thursday morning. It's June. We are rolling through the year. It's funny. I don't want to wish away the summer, but my goodness, I just want to see the Pittsburgh Steelers playing football. So, I mean, the summer is great, but yeah, before you know it, that's the only good thing about summer being over is you get into football season. But uh, here we are. It's it's nice to be with you again here on a Thursday morning. If you did not catch it on Monday's Let's Ride, Jeff Hartman talked about that we did have a winner in our contest that we did from last week. I got to get a little, a little bit of a story, a little bit of a disclaimer from this thing. We were trying to come up with an idea of what we should do for a contest. And Jeff wanted to do something where everyone had to listen to all five morning shows. I'm like, well, just do something crazy where you just say a player's name and they have to write down the Jersey number. And therefore at the end of the week, it's a 10 digit code. Everyone, whoever, everyone enters the 10 digit code and we'll draw from those names. Well, Jeff wanted to do something where it was the first one to get it. And he's like, well, what do you mean by that? And I just, as a joke threw out the names, which ended up being what we did of Heinz Ward, Joe Green, James Connor, Lawrence Timmons, Terry Bradshaw. And they're like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. I see what you mean. I'm like, come on, Brian, because this was with Jeff and Brian I was doing. I'm like, neither of you guys get this. They're like, what? I'm like, look at the numbers. 
And then finally, Jeff just cracked up laughing while, you know, sending LOLs and stuff on our Slack channel with, with the three of us where we were doing that. And he's like, oh, we're using this. This is the real thing. So it's not that I thought that this, that this, that we should have used that code. For those of you that don't know what that code is, it's eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine, four, one, two. So the answer was for those of that didn't enter it, it was uh, Jenny from the Berg. It was another word. It was a reference to the song Jenny, Jenny by Tommy Two-Tone. Or is it Tony Two? I can't remember. I think it's Tommy. And then 412 was the area code for Pittsburgh. There were some other good answers. Like, I didn't even realize it. That, that, was, that hit every digit from zero to nine and didn't repeat, but just in a different order. So there were some good answers, but uh, that was the answer. I don't know who. Jeff did not tell me who the actual winner was. And that's okay. I didn't have to know. But that's the contest and we'll see if we have other contests. Oh, I'm excited. We'll be doing our survivor pool again this fall. Uh, it'll be the third year doing it. And I have another signed football. I even have it in my possession already. I so want to say who it is, but I'm not going to. So if anything else, you got to make sure you're going to behind your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, just to get in on our contests and things like that. So we try to do as much stuff like that as we can. Um, but that's a lot of fun that, that we'll be doing the Survivor League this fall. I will lay out that for you on Stat Geek when the time gets close. But um, it's interesting this week. This week was was kind of crazy. Was has me reminiscing a lot. It really does because first of all, on Monday, which was Memorial Day, I it was the very last day of May, and I was counting it up that it was thirty three months that I've been with BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. 33 months. And you're like, why do you say that? I'm like, well, it's three months shy of three years. And the only reason I cared to count that number was because I actually had my 2000th article published from behind the steel curtain. So uh, yeah, two, 2000 articles in less than three years um, is how, how it's gone. But uh, when you move it, when you're moving on up into stuff there, that's kind of what you have to do in order to get the job done, which really on Tuesday was the big reminder of it was one year ago that I was the editor. All that was my first day of being editor all by myself when uh, Jeff Hartman had stepped away. In case you're wondering, when when I heard there was a chance to get Jeff back, I went out of my way uh, to get him back. I'll, for those of you that listen to our mon- to our morning podcast, if you're just listening to me to have to try to get to Jeff, I get it. I mean, Jeff does a fantastic job. Um, he's a wonderful editor. We kind of are handling these responsibilities together. Um, but I still yield to his expertise and he does a fantastic job. And I'm really happy that it was only two months that we were without him and that we were able to get him back. So that now means it was 10 months since Jeff's triumphant return. Um, and that was also on Tuesday, it was the five-year anniversary of when I got an interesting email. I was actually on vacation with my kids at Great Wolf Lodge. It, I was at the one in Williamsburg, Virginia. And I started getting all these messages from friends of mine that were Steeler fans. They're like, did you check your email? I'm like, no. And I checked my email and it's where the Steelers, had, they sent out, if you're on their mailing list, they email you out various things with the Steelers Pro Shop and other stuff. And what do you know in this email, they were they had just started promoting their Father's Day line of stuff because um, June 1st, that's the kicking into the Father's Day stuff. And what do you know? There it was in this email. It said, for the super fan dad. 
and it was a picture of me where they had taken my picture um, at the, I can't remember what they call it. It's the draft party. It's not family fest. Cause that's the thing that they have in August, but fun fest might be, I'm not sure, but they, they asked to take my picture. I'm like, sure. And it was a picture of me that they used to try to sell their father's day apparel. Um, and because it said for the stupid, for the super, I must said stupid for the super fan dad. That's where my email came from. That's why I'm, um, Steelers super fan dad, my Twitter, my email, but it's too many digits to say Steelers. So that's why I have to say S T L R. Um, and what's also crazy is I have to do this today. I know this is a little bit taking some time here at the beginning of the show, but I have to give a big shout out today because today is my eldest son's 10th birthday. My oldest son, Gabriel, is 10 years old today. He is my middle child. I have three children. He's the one in the middle, but he, but I have to say he's my eldest son because um, I have a daughter and then two sons. And he's turning 10. And it's crazy because I'll always remember with his birthday, that was my last day in what was supposed to be my lifelong career. Um, I took, I, I had spent 10 years, for those of you that don't know, I'll share a little bit about myself. I actually, I have a degree in physics and a minor in mathematics. And also that I have a certificate for secondary education along with that is, is what I went to college for. And I loved physics. I loved math. And the only reason I switched from math to physics at the last minute before I went to college is because physics was math with a purpose. Um, So that was it. Um, I still really love numbers, as you can tell with the stat geekiness. But uh, I wanted to go into teaching as much because I wanted to be a coach. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to coach. So I got a job right out of college and I was began teaching and coaching. I coached high school football and indoor and outdoor track. And I did that for seven years. And when my daughter was born, well, my last semester, I wasn't coaching high school. I actually coached um, at the local college. But when my daughter was born, I took a leave of absence from coaching because she was born right before football season started. And therefore, I knew that I just wasn't luckily she was born early a little bit and would if she'd have been born late it would have been already when practices had started so I took a year off from coaching and then that ended up being two and then three and then when my son was born actually I took a leave of absence from teaching and a semester turned into a year turned into two turned into three and now turned into 10 which allows me to do behind the steel curtain so happy birthday Gabriel I'm glad that I had a chance to um to, to, to take my turn after my wife took a turn, we were, and then I won the flip for the third child, um, of, of, of spending time when, with him, when he was born and it turned into this, which is fantastic. So now uh, here I am talking to you all on a Thursday morning. You're like, that's enough, Dave. Let's talk Steelers. Yes. (laughs) Here's what's crazy. I'm reminiscing. We're going to be reminiscing even more because what we're going to be talking about today is Kendrick green, Kendrick green. But we're not really going to be talking about Kendrick Green, but we're going to be talking about what Kendrick Green could be. Kendrick Green is my choice to win the job day one of the 2021 regular season. In other words, week one starter at center for the Steelers. I just think that he's the best option. I know a lot of people are like, but BJ Finney, BJ Finney is a backup. That's what he was with the Steelers. 
And when he left the Steelers, he struggled to even be that anywhere else. So to come in and think he's going to be an answer as a starter, I think is putting too much on him. I like BJ Finney. I think he's a great person. I like him in the role that he's in. I just don't know that he's the guy that you want to turn to totally. If he's got to start for a while until Kendrick Green is ready, then that's what it needs to be. But it's not like I think BJ Finney's the long-term answer at the position where I think Kendrick Green is. So you're like, well, what are you talking so much about Kendrick Green? Kendrick Green was the Steelers' third-round pick this year. And I went to do an article this weekend. This didn't come from a question from a user. This came from a question that I ended up posing myself. I went to write an article this weekend, and as much as I started diving into it, I had to send a message to Jeff, and I'm like, uh, this article's coming later. This has got to be Stat Geek this week. This is absolutely crazy what I found. I was just looking for a simple answer. And it was not a simple answer. And you're, you're going to love this. My simple question that I had that I thought was a simple answer was, okay, Kendrick Green, third round pick. What if he starts week one and then starts week two and starts the whole season? Who was the last third round pick to do that for the Steelers? Wow. You want to talk about having to dive deep. Here's the depth that this had to go. I started with 2020 and I was working backwards. Okay. And let's just see how it worked out. You probably already have in your mind. Oh, well, it might've been so-and-so. Oh, it could have been so-and-so. Let's get this answer. So 2020, Alex Highsmith, week one, he wasn't a starter. He didn't start until week 12 after Bud Dupree got, got hurt. He played 10 snaps his first game. He had one tackle. So I'm, that's what I'm looking at. You know, how many snaps you played in week one? What kind of stats did you have? When did you really become a starter? That was Alex Highsmith. The year before was Deontay Johnson. He played 24 snaps, um, which was 36% of the offensive snaps for the Steelers. And he had three catches for 25 yards. But he didn't actually get a what would be called a start until week three. But he played all the time. So you're like, okay, we're getting there. But he didn't really play a significant portion of the snaps until much later in the season. The other 2019 third-round pick, Justin Lane, he didn't play a single defensive snap his rookie year, and he's yet to become a starter. So that's just – that was what it was. He wasn't even active for week one. You're going to find this being a theme. If you go to 2018, there was two third-round picks there as well. Mason Rudolph, inactive, wasn't active the entire season. He didn't get a start until year two, and he wouldn't have even started then except Ben Roethlisberger got hurt. Then you, the other third round pick was, was Chuksa Korafor. He played 17 snaps, which was 20% of the Steelers' offensive snaps in week one. He didn't have any stats because he was an offensive lineman. And he technically started week one. That's correct. Chuksa Korafor started week one of his rookie year. You're like, what? But he only played 20% of the snaps. He was the jumbo tight end. And the Steelers opened their season with the jumbo package. So he technically started. That was Chooks. Um, so there's the answer of the last player to start week one. But the question was, did he keep starting? The answer was no. He got a full-on start in week 12. But I think he might have had one other start sprinkled in there um, where they started the jumbo package as well. But he didn't actually start a game to week 12. So I don't know that we can really count him. But that is the answer to the question. He did technically get a start in week one, and you'll find that it's going to be a long time until we find another one. 
So I'm like, I'm still looking at the snap counts and everything else of what's going on. Uh, Cam Sutton in 2017, he was injured. And so he didn't even play week one. He started in week 15. James Conner, he played eight snaps in week one, his rookie year. You know, that this was also 2017. He had four rushes for 11 yards. He didn't get a start until his second year. Keep on going. Javon Hargrave. That was probably the answer most people thought. Oh, well, Hargrave started right away. Technically, Javon Hargrave did not start week one because the Steelers only had two defensive linemen on the field. Um, he was starting in sub package. Um, he started in week two, but he was spot spot on and off starting throughout the year, depending on how the, the Steelers defense started. You're like, well, Hargrave's the answer. Well, not really, because you want to know the truth? He only played 13 snaps in week one. He was the nose tackle, but the Steelers really kept him off the field. They didn't have him play. I don't think he played any defensive tackle to start at all because they were really keeping his snaps down. He did not reach over 50% of the snaps on defense until week five. So that's not really the answer either with Javon Hargrave. So that's another one. So keep going back. That was 2016. 2015, Sammy Coates, inactive. Didn't start until year two. Okay, 2014, Dree Archer. He played 14 offensive snaps, which was 20% of the snaps in week one. He had one rush for four yards, and he was never a starter. Okay, then you had Marcus Wheaton from 2013. He played seven snaps um, in week one. All he did was return kicks when it came to the stats department. Um, and he, but he did play seven offensive snaps, I have to say. And I think he got a start like in week four, but it was one of those random starts. 2012, Sean Spence. Yeah, we should all know about that one. He didn't get to play at all his first two years after he had that horrific injury his in, in the preseason. So he didn't really count. I kind of have to stop there because 2012, that's all the farther back snap counts go where they kept good track of snaps, um, where pro football reference has the number of snaps played. So that's it where I can look at, oh, well, did they, how many snaps did they play? Can't, can't do that any farther. And I'm still looking for, for any third round pick that started and kept starting in week one for the Steelers. So I had to, I had to keep going. And the next one was uh, Curtis Brown, defensive back. Um, he was inactive, was never a starter in the NFL. Then you go to Emmanuel, uh, um, Emmanuel Sanders. His first game as a rookie had one kick return, and he wasn't a starter until week 17 his rookie year. Okay, 2009, there was three, three third-round picks in 2009. Craig, Craig Urbic, he was a practice squad guy his rookie year. Uh, Mike Wallace, he had three catches for 32 yards but wasn't a starter until week seven. And then Keenan Lewis, he didn't he didn't get any kind of stats. I think he was there for special teams. He wasn't even a starter until year three. Okay, going back, Bruce Davis, he was inactive, never a starter. That was 2008. 2007, Matt Spath, he did have one catch for five yards, which was a touchdown in his rookie season. He did start in week two, but he was kind of one of those on again, off again, starters depends if they started with two tight ends or not. Um, he was he's someone that was close. You could talk about Matt Matt Spath contributing. Then you have um, 2006 Anthony Smith. He had three tackles but didn't start to week 13. 
Also in 2006 was Willie Reed, wide receiver. He was inactive. He was never a starter. 2005, Trey Essex. He was inactive week one. He didn't start to week 11. Max Starks. He was in at, in 2004. He was inactive his first week as as a rookie. He was not a starter until year two. If you hear that crumpling noise, that's me flipping the page because that's how far back we're still going. Okay, 2002. Chris Hope four tackles didn't start a game till year three. 2000. There was two players in the third round. There was Kendrick Clancy. He had he was a defensive tackle. He had no starts. Um, or no, sorry, no stats and wasn't a starter until year two. And then 2000 was also um, Hank Poteet, who was only a kick returner. He was never a starter. That goes back to the Kevin Colbert era. That's the only time I'm going to stop listing them year by year because still don't have the answer to the question. There was 26 players. Not this. It doesn't count Kendrick Green. 26 players from 2000 to 2020 drafted in the third round by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Out of those 26 players, 11 of them were inactive for their first game. Also out of those players, 11 of them did start sometime as a rookie. But that meant that 15 of them did not. So this is what you're getting in year one from third round picks. So if Kendrick Green comes in as starter the whole time, wow, that's crazy. Well, so what's the answer, Dave? When did it happen? Well, here's some people that we could mention that maybe. How about 1978 when the Steelers' third-round pick was punter Craig Colquitt? He played in every game and was the punter in every game, but technically punters aren't starters. You could say that's the answer, but my goodness, if you take a punter in the third round, he better be your punter. Okay. How about 1972? Tight end John McMacken. I don't know if it's McMacken or McMacken. Um, you know how I butcher names. He started in week two and then started every week after that. He, he started 13 of 14 games as a rookie, did not start week one, but then was the starter from that point on. Crazy. Even in 1970, Third round pick cornerback Mel Blunt, Hall of Famer, did not start until week five. If you want to go back to find a Steelers third round draft pick that started every game as a rookie, you're going back to 1953. Linebacker Marv Matuzak, if I can say that right. That is M A T U S Z A K. He started 12 of 12 games for the Steelers. He was selected to the Pro Bowl as a rookie, as a third-round pick. He had an interception that year, two fumble recoveries, and was a Pro Bowler in 1953. That's what you have to go. Here's the one thing that I have to tell you is really crazy about this. So that's where you have to go to find the last Steelers third-round pick that started every game of their rookie year or that even started the week one and kept starting from that point on. That's how far you got to go back. And in 1953, as the Steelers third round pick Marv, I'm going to screw it up again. Matuzak. I still think that's right. He was the 29th overall pick in the NFL draft. 
That's how few round players there were per round. He was the 29th overall pick and he was a third round selection. That's where you have to go back in order to find a Pittsburgh Steeler that was taken in the third round and started. That's crazy. I just wanted to know a quick answer for an article, and that's where it took me. So that's what we're doing. That's what it is. It doesn't mean that there weren't fourth round or fifth round picks that started right away. I was looking just at the third round, and that was the answer. Kind of blew my mind. So if Kendrick Green can come in and win this job and start week one and stay as the starter, it'll be the first time for the Pittsburgh Steelers since 1953. Wow. All right. We're going to go ahead and take a break. That first section went really long. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. I've got a user question we're going to do. We're going to talk about that whole Pittsburgh Steelers having the hardest schedule in the NFL. So we're going to see what that's really going to do for them this year and how that's affected teams in the past. So stick around. Listen to these messages. We'll be right back. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And we're back, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, with the Steelers Stat Geek. This is Dave Schofield. We are digging in. We just found out that craziness of, my goodness. You have to go back to 1953 since the last time a Steelers third-round draft pick started every game as a rookie. Absolutely insane. But I've got, I had a question that was sent to me on Twitter. I'll tell you, whether it's just, whether you at me or Send me a direct message. You can reach me on Twitter at STLRSuperFanDad, or you can email me at STLRSuperFanDad at gmail.com and ask your stat geek questions. I'm always looking for them. I've even got some in the hopper for future weeks from some people. I really appreciate that. But this one comes from David Briggs. He's from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, I've heard from him before, but this one, this time he wanted to know, his question was about the Steelers having the hardest schedule in football. He says they also had that in 08. Okay. Were there, he wants to know if there were similarities from the 08 season or, or even how the, the 07 season leading into the 08 season that we can kind of compare for 2020. Because he had an idea that there was. And you know what? He was right. We're going to look at some of those similarities. And we're also going to look at, I'm going to go ahead and look back from now to the to 2008 and see who had the hardest schedule based on the previous year's uh, records and see how that those teams turned out. So here we go. In 2007, the Pittsburgh Steelers finished 10 and 6. They won the AFC North. They made the postseason. And they got bounced in the wild card round at home. They lost 
31 to 29 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were down a lot to start. Um, came back, came up two points short. Uh, I remember that that is the first playoff game I watched in my current home. I remember because I moved in, <laughs> moved in there in 2007. So that I remember that game a lot because that was the first playoff game I watched there. But here's what was similar about that season. The last four games of the season, the Steelers went one and three. They lost three of their last four games of that year and then went into the playoffs and lost. Sound familiar? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, you know, they weren't undefeated before that. The Steelers also had, you know, a somewhat early by week. It was week six where this year, this past year was week four. So... That was what was going on in 2007. They were coming off that, even though they had they had won the AFC North, they got bounced in the first round. Ben Roethlisberger was also the, the, the quarterback. I will tell you this, though. One way that they weren't similar is that the Steelers had a 1,300-yard rusher that season in Willie Parker. Although it was crazy, he only had two rushing touchdowns because down at the goal line, it was Najee Davenport often getting the ball. He had five rushing touchdowns, but um, but they did. They were they were much better at running the ball um, in 2007, leading into that 2008. But with that said, 2008, when the Steelers had a had the most difficult schedule in the NFL. They drafted a running back in the first round. So that's a similarity. That was the last time they drafted a running back in the first round. But I will also tell you this. That was not the last time the Steelers had the most difficult schedule. But So, so let's look at that. When in 2000, For the 2008 season, the Steelers not only had the most difficult schedule, they had what was at the time – um, I'm going to be referencing an article from from 2008 that was written by uh, John Clayton, who was with ESPN at the time, and he was talking about this. And he said that that this that the winning percentage of the Steelers' um, opponents from from the that you know how they had done the year before it was 0.598, almost 60 percent winning percentage, um, and that was the toughest one in recent memory, is what the way he said it. That was the toughest one in recent memory. Back in 2008, I can tell you that since then, it hasn't been topped. And he laid out that the Steelers had a big road ahead because um, going back to 2000, or not 2000, 1997, he had gone back and the, and the toughest schedule had belonged to the Cleveland Browns um, in 2004. And they ended up playing 11 teams that had records of 500 or better. Um, they had a 5.90 percentage, so it wasn't as much as the Steelers. And the Browns went four and twelve. Also, he went on to talk about um, what was another one? Um, two thousand six Oakland Raiders. They had to face twelve teams that had a uh, had, were five hundred or better the year before. They went four uh, two and fourteen. Talking about all these teams that had the toughest schedule and how bad it was. I do have to. I do have to throw out this line. I do have to throw out this line is that he said, expect the winner of the AFC North to be an eight, nine or 10 win team at best, eight, nine or 10 win team at best. So if you're not sure what happened in 2008, the Pittsburgh Steelers went 12 and four, they won the AFC North and they also went on to win the Super Bowl. So they went from have, they had the hardest schedule 
and they went on to win, win the Super Bowl. Um, they are one of several teams that actually made the playoffs playing the hardest schedule. So I'll just do a quick rundown from 2008 on. Um, so it was the Steelers. It was that .598. They ended up going 12-4 and four and won the Super Bowl. 2009, the hardest schedule belonged to the Miami Dolphins at 5.94. That was close. They went 7-9. and nine. 2010, it was the Houston Texans. They had a .547, and they went 6-10. and 10. In 2011, it was the Carolina Panthers. They had a, the toughest schedule with a winning percentage of .555. They went 6-10. and 10. 2012, it was the New York Giants who had the toughest schedule at .547. They went 9-7. and seven. They were the first team to have a winning record, having the hardest schedule in the NFL since the Steelers had won the Super Bowl in 08. Then it gets interesting. Then we hit a real interesting stretch because in 2013, it was the Carolina Panthers again at .543 winning percentage. They went 12-4, and four, made the playoffs. They lost in the divisional round. Now that was, they, they had a buy. I'm pretty sure that they, that that was their first game of the playoffs, but they lost it. 2014, the most difficult schedule was the Arizona Cardinals at 0.547. They went 11 and five, made the playoffs, but lost in the wild card round. Then you have 2015. It was the Pittsburgh Steelers again at 0.578. They went 10 and six, made the playoffs, won the wild, won in the wild card, against Cincinnati. And then they lost in the divisional round in Denver when we all know what happened there when everyone was hurt and they still should have won that game. But anyway, um, 2016, this was the only time there was a tie, which was really surprising. I thought there would be more of a tie, but this actually gives really good data by having two teams, both the San Francisco 49ers and Atlanta Falcons had the toughest schedule at 0.555. The 49ers went two and 14. The Atlanta Falcons went 11 and five and went to the Super Bowl. And all I have to say about that is 27 to three, um, where they ended up losing the Super Bowl. Um, that was after they had a huge lead in the third quarter of 27 to three. Sorry. Um, 2017, it was the Denver Broncos at 0.578. They went five and 11. This is now where you get a stretch of teams not making the postseason. 2018 was the Green Bay Packers. Point Five three nine. They went six nine and one. Two thousand nineteen was the Oakland Raiders at point five three nine. They went seven and nine. Two thousand twenty. Last year was the New England Patriots with point five three seven. They went seven and nine. But we also know part of that was they had a big change at a key position. So it kind of goes in spurts. It was you know the Steelers won the Super Bowl was kind of crazy. They did that with the hardest schedule. Then you had four straight years of teams not making the playoffs. The last of those years, the team at least had a winning record. Then you had four years of teams making the playoffs, where the last one of those was a team going to the Super Bowl, while the other team only won two games. Then you have another big stretch here of teams not even getting a, a 500 record, having the hardest schedule. So you can see it's kind of all over the place. It's kind of like, do you step up and do what you have to do to win those games and you're battle-tested and ready to go? Or... Is it too difficult and you can't win the games? It's kind of what it is. I will say this. I only went back to 2008 because, frankly, finding the data before that was difficult. I tried, but I'm just like, you know what? We'll just stop at the 08 with the Steelers since that was the question. But the last two times the Steelers had the most difficult schedule in the NFL, 
they made the playoffs. And not only that, they won a game in the playoffs. So take that for what it's worth. We'll see if they can do that as they go into this year um, with the hardest schedule with a .574 opponent winning percentage uh, based on their 2020 record. So that is the data behind that. I hope you enjoyed those numbers. I hope you enjoyed the talk about the Steelers' history at the with the third round picks and do they start? Do they, you know, do they start the whole season? Things like that. Absolutely crazy. And thank you for for bearing with me through um, my little bit of some reminiscing at the beginning of this episode uh, with some various things. But hey, I'm happy to that I'm I'm here. Cutting it loose with uh, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you are checking us out at the website. There is so much stuff going on there. It's We're trying to cover OTAs. Yes, it's the offseason, but you can still get your Steelers fix at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And, of course, continue to check out our podcasts. We are coming at you with everything that we can bring right now. Um, we're on our way. Summer is starting, which means – Yeah, it gets sad when summer's over, but when summer's over, you're talking football. You're talking NFL football. You're talking Pittsburgh Steelers on the field. Gotta love it. So thank you very much for tuning in with me this morning. And as I always say, thanks for being out. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.